Hi, and welcome to the Arana Hills Church of Christ podcast. We hope this message brings you closer to knowing God, finding freedom in Him, and understanding what He has in store for you and your community. To learn more about Arana Hills Church of Christ, head to aranahills.church. We hope you enjoy this message. Good evening, everyone. So the last few weeks, we've been looking at some Christmas carols, sort of really getting into, really thinking about what they mean. Now, I have a theory that as Christians, the most significant thing we do in forming our theology, in understanding who God is, is singing. I think singing is the most significant thing we do when it comes to understanding who God is. And when it comes to understanding the theology of Christmas, I think carols is where we get most of our understanding from. And tonight I want to look at a really old carol. It's probably the oldest carol there is, called O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. Now, this carol has been one that I've always found a bit of a mystery and what I find strange about it is I struggle to understand why it's still so popular. And a couple of years ago, I was walking through Brookside Shopping Centre and this carol was playing overhead and I stopped to just listen to it. And as I listened, it's all this really old language. It's hardcore Old Testament theology. I thought, why is this song still around? Why is it still so popular? And when we think about it, this, it's not a classic Christmas song because there's no reference to the nativity. There's no reference of the manger, and the shepherds, the stars, to Mary or Joseph. It's written very much from an Old Testament perspective of Old Testament believers looking forward to the birth of the Messiah. Like I said, the language is really old, it's quite dated, it can be difficult to interpret and like I said as well, it's full of strange Old Testament theology. It says things like, referring to Jesus, thou branch of Jesse, thou key of David, thou dayspring from on high and you listen, you think, what's, no idea what that means. And yet, despite all of that, it's really, really popular. Not just in the church, but even when secular artists release a Christmas album, they'll often have O Come, O Come, Emmanuel there. And this week, I got on YouTube and I watched a number of versions of this carol, and I was fascinated by the comments. I watched a video by Kelly Clarkson, a secular artist, and I was reading the comments And I was amazed, I was reading things like, people were saying things like, don't know what it is about this song, always makes me cry. And someone else said, I hate religion, I love this song. And other people said, yeah, me too, I don't like religion, but this song is so beautiful. And again, it's a mystery, why? Why do people, Christians and non-Christians, why do we find this song so compelling? It's a mystery. Now, I think I've (coughs) cracked the mystery. I think I've worked it out. I think I understand why it's popular. 
And what I think is, is that this song captures the human cry for God to come and fix the mess. I think there's something in all of us. When we look at the world around, we see innocent people suffering. We see war. We see sickness. We see terrible, greedy people prospering, unpunished. And we think, we've got to put this right. This needs to be fixed. The system's broken. The world needs sorting out. And I think this song captures that human cry. And for even someone who's not religious, maybe they're an atheist, there's still that cry in their heart that the world needs to be fixed. Things aren't right. It needs to be put right. And that's why I think it's so popular. So we're going to think a little bit tonight. We're going to get into some of the weird theology. We're going to have a go at trying to work out what it's trying to say. Let's think a little bit about the history, because like I said, this is a really, really old carol. It goes right back to the, probably the 7th century. And originally it was in Latin. And originally it wasn't a song, it was a chant. And Gregorian monks used to chant it at one another in Latin. It's a really, really old, old carol. Now, what this carol is all about is the Old Testament believers desperately waiting for God to come, waiting for God to intervene. God had made all these promises. The people were struggling and they're crying out for this Messiah to come. It's all about waiting for the Messiah. When we think about it, waiting is one of the biggest themes of the Bible. The whole Bible is all about believers having to wait. We don't like it. We're not good at it. And even us today, we're living post-Jesus coming. We experience the benefit of salvation. But we're still waiting. We're in the now, but not yet. Jesus has come. He's established his kingdom. The work has begun to fix the world. In fact, Oddly, we're part of that. We are the current instrument that God is using to put the world right. Not sure if you know that. But you're the method right now to start putting the world right. But we know there's a day coming in the future where all things will be made new. And so just like those Old Testament believers, we're waiting. And there might be some of us here tonight who are crying out to God for help. Crying out that God would intervene in our lives. And we're waiting. And the wait is difficult. Whenever we read the Old Testament, we see cry after cry of people calling out to God to help. And they're waiting. And it's hard. And some of you, some of us may relate to that. Habakkuk, he was an old, he was a prophet. He cried out and he said, how long do I have to wait? And you do not answer. David's cry was probably even more extreme. David said, I'm exhausted from crying out. He said, my throat is parched from calling out to you. 
He said, my eyes are strained from desperately looking to see where you are. And to me, probably the greatest cry was from the prophet Isaiah. I think he summed up the cry of all believers in the Old Testament. This is what he cried out. He said, oh, that you would rend apart heaven and come down. It's like you're far away. Come down where we are so we can see you. We can see your mighty works. And you can intervene in our lives. And this is what this carol's all about. It's the weight. And so we're going to have a look at it. So if we go to the next slide. We go to this slide. We can see that um, on the left-hand side, you can see the original Latin. And this carol is based on seven verses. They all come from the book of Isaiah. And they're all based around something that are called antiphons which was a cry to God that was chanted back and forth. Now, we're going to go through them all. We're not going to spend a lot of time on each one. We're just going to go through each one of these cries. So you can see the first one there, O Sapentia, which means wisdom. People cried out to understand, to know what God's truth was, his wisdom for guidance, show us the way. Show us how to live. Second one, Adonai. They cried out for God to come as Lord, that he would come and rule with justice. He would adjudicate in a way that was fair. He would fix oppression and fix cruelty, make things just. Third one, we start to get into the weird stuff. Radix Jesse. Come now, branch of Jesse. And what this is, Isaiah was giving us a picture of a stump. And he's talking about the line that the Messiah would come from. The Messiah was promised to come from the line of Jesse and David. But every generation after David had become more and more ungodly. And it seemed impossible. How could the Messiah come from this line? The, the line is coming to an end. And it's like a stump and it looks dead. And the cry was that out of that stump that looked dead, a branch would come. New life. O'Clavis David, the key of David. We all know what keys do. Keys unlock doors. So doors open and we can gain entrance. Most of our keys now are actually passwords. And a password on your computer provides access. And this is what the people were crying out for. Open up a door, provide access for this new kingdom ruled by the Messiah. A kingdom that's characterized by justice and peace and kindness and mercy and generosity. Open the door, provide a way into this new wonderful kingdom. The next one's my favorite. I love this one. Orion's, which means dawn or sunrise and we've tra- we've translated that with a really old-fashioned word for sunrise which is day spring and i love this picture the people were crying out for a sunrise wanting the darkness to come to an end it's interesting as kids we're scared of the dark and as we grow up nothing much changes at night 
We lock the doors, pull the blinds. And if we have to go out, we're very cautious, we're careful. Because the night is associated with danger. We've all been told, be careful going out at night. Bad things happen at night. And the people were longing for a new day where the the fear and the cold of the night would come to an end. Now, I love this picture. And this week I was thinking about it and it reminded me of a terrible night that I once spent where I could not wait for the dawn. This is back in a long time ago, 1996. I had a friend, Phil. He and I, we were backpacking through North America. And we ended up in the Canadian Rockies. We were at a place called Lake Louise. And we decided we were going to hike up to this lake up in the mountains and we were going to camp on the lake shore. And it was the middle of summer. It was a warm day. And so we didn't take much with us. In our packs, we had very little. Just I had a T-shirt and shorts and a raincoat. All I had in my backpack was a water bottle, a couple of muesli bars and a sleeping bag. And off we went. And we got up there late in the afternoon and it was beautiful and as we were looking around for somewhere to pitch our tent we saw a sign with a big warning on it we better have a look and it said caution is a grizzly bear who's been sighted frequently in this area be careful about the grizzly bear then there was another sign with some advice on what to do we thought we better read that So if we know what happened, what to do, if this grizzly bear comes after us. The sign wasn't wasn't very helpful or comforting. Because it said things like, don't run, curl up in a ball. And I read that to mean, just lie down and get ready to die. (laughs) That's all you can do. Anyway, we got a bit nervous after reading that. Before we read that, we were enjoying the beautiful scenery but now we were watching every little movement every noise we would watch we got a bit twitchy we sort of thought we better get to bed early we're worried about sitting out in the dark if this grizzly bear came along and so we got into our tent with our sleeping bags and then winter mountain weather came in it's the middle of summer we end up with a foot of snow and we were freezing we weren't prepared for the cold And I had a damp t-shirt from, all sweaty from walking. And I'm lying in the tent in my little sleeping bag and I'm shuddering. My jaw is shattering. And it was miserable. Not only was I freezing cold, but every time the wind would blow and I'd hear a noise, it's like, it's the grizzly bear. He's here. And I remember thinking, I wonder what will kill me first. A hypothermia or the grizzly bear and it was a long miserable night I didn't sleep at all and I remember times looking at my watch desperately hoping it was going to be like 5 a.m and I'd look and it was 1 a.m and I'd go back to shivering then after what felt like hours I'd look again eight past one and I could not wait for the dawn to come And I got so cold, so stiff from the cold, and I saw my mate Phil next to me, and he was shivering as well. And I thought, maybe he and I, maybe we should get in the same sleeping bag, huddled together. 
and exchange body heat. I thought about it and I thought, nah, it's better to die than to do that. So anyway, we suffered through the night. And as soon as that first light came, we were up and we packed up and we hiked out through the snow. And I'll never forget, we went to the little township of Lake Louise and there was a bakery there. And we went in there and we bought a big hot coffee, and a bag of donuts. We went outside and there was a little bench. And we sat there and the sun came up and the temperature came up. And we were sitting in the sun with hot coffee and donuts. And it was so good. And the trauma of the night before disappeared. It was gone. It was a new day. The sun was up. No more fear. No more cold. And I'll never forget how much I enjoyed that new morning. And this is the picture that this carol is trying to give us. That this coming Messiah was going to bring a new age. Fear would be pushed away. It's like a new day, warm and safe. And this is what the people were crying out for. And this is the verse, this is the verse based on that one, which I, I love. It says, O come thou day spring from on high, come thou sunrise, thou, thou new day. Cheer us by coming close, by drawing nigh. Disperse the gloomy clouds of night and death's dark shadow put to flight. That's my favourite verse in this carol if we go on to the next slide there's a couple more rex genitium which means king of the gentiles really we could interpret that as king of all people and this messiah wasn't just going to be a king for a select group of people it's going to be a king for everyone it's going to rule over the whole earth and the whole world provides salvation for everyone then the final one Emmanuel, God with us. This was the cry of the people, that God wouldn't be distant. God would come down right amongst us, intervening in our lives, be able to see him. And this is who Jesus was. He was God revealed. The invisible God would become visible. The unknowable God would become knowable, knowable, Emmanuel. And so they're the seven verses of this carol. And they're so rich with this wonderful theology. And after every verse, of course, there's a chorus, if we go to the next slide. And this chorus acknowledges that the wait is over. Rejoice, rejoice. God has heard his people. We're no longer waiting, no longer longing. It's happened. The Messiah has come. All those promises have been fulfilled. Hope has been realised. Emmanuel shall come to thee, O Israel. And as I've been listening to this carol over and over the last couple of weeks, um, every time I hear the, this uh, chorus, I keep thinking of a character in the Gospels called Simeon. Because he was one of the first people to recognise that the little baby Jesus was actually the Christ. He was actually the Messiah. He was Emmanuel. And this reminds me of Simeon. So we're going to read in Luke's Gospel, 
about Simeon's testimony. So we're going to read in Luke chapter 2 and we're going to read from verse 25. Before we start reading though, um, just a little bit of background. So Mary and Joseph have taken Jesus into the temple to be dedicated. And so last week we had a dedication. And so this is Jesus' dedication. Let's read from verse 25. Now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon, who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was on him. Consolation there could be interpreted as the comfort or the rescue of Israel. Verse 26, it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. So he have got this old man and he's grown, he's lived his life with this promise and his life has been hard because he's lived under Roman occupation, under the cruel tyranny of a Roman government and he's clung to this promise that before he dies he's going to see the Messiah and now he has become very old He's weak, he's feeble. He knows that his days are numbered, but he's clinging to the hope that he won't die until he sees the Messiah. He's hanging on, waiting to see God's promise fulfilled. So we go to the next slide. Verse 27, it says, He was moved by the Spirit, and this is the day of Jesus' dedication. He went into the temple courts. Jesus was there, ready to be dedicated. When the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms and he praised God. Love this image. An old man holding this little baby. And he's holding this little baby tight, looking at it, realising this is the Christ. This is the Messiah. The wait is over. The Christ has come. It's a beautiful picture. Luke doesn't give us very much detail about how all this went down, how the conversation started, how he found him. But I love that he's included this detail of this old man, the end of his life. He's waiting to die. And God's promise has been fulfilled. If we go to the next one, next slide. Verse 28, Simeon took him in his arms and he praised God saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. I'm ready to die. I can die at peace. I can die happy. I've seen the fulfillment of all your promises. You've heard your people. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. I find this so moving. This old man who's been hanging on, and now he's like, you can release me from this earth, Lord. I can die happy. And I just love the emotion there. And I try to picture... Simeon kind of trembling with goosebumps 
looking at this little baby, realizing that this is the hope of Israel. This is the salvation of the world. I was inspired a little while back when in church, Terry Williams used some old paintings to help sort of explain some biblical passages. And I thought, I'm going to try and find an old painting of Simeon that captures this scene, captures this emotion. I didn't have a lot of luck initially. If we go to the next slide, everything looked like this. These are a couple by Rembrandt. It's a bit disappointed because he looks bored. It's like the saviour of the world. Meh. He's not real excited about it. And I don't like the way he's holding the baby either. It's like, gross, don't let this thing touch me. Sort of holding it off. A bit sterile looking. And I thought, I don't think, don't think Rembrandt's done a good job here. I don't think he's captured the spirit of what's happening. So I had to go back to Google Images to try and find a picture that would, and I fortunately found one if we go to the next slide. And I love this picture. This one, I think, captures the emotion. It captures the fact that Simeon realises this is the Christ, and I love the way he's pressing that little baby into him. And I love the way it looks like he can't contain his emotions. Because Simeon realised this is wisdom from on high. This is Adonai. This is the king of all nations. This is Emmanuel. And he rejoices and he worships. So the worship team can come up if you like. We're going to finish up. And so this week, as we head into Christmas... For a lot of us, it's going to be a really busy few days. It's going to be a lot of rush, a lot of pressure, a lot of deadlines, a lot of running around. And it's going to be hard to really soak in the truth of the Christmas story. But I hope that this week you can have a Simeon moment where you get goosebumps when you think about the wonderful truth that God left heaven, came to earth, provides salvation for all nations and he started the job of fixing the world, putting, the, putting things right. Thank you for joining us today. If you were encouraged by the message and would like to hear more sermons like this, make sure you hit subscribe. Follow us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify or wherever you listen to your podcasts. To experience other messages, videos and live services, head to oranahills.church and navigate to the resources tab. Thanks for listening.